Support for WERU comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. You're listening to WERU FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming everywhere at WERU.org. We're volunteer powered, we're listener supported, and we are a voice of many voices. Stay tuned for Main Currents. And this is Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, October 26, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. Question three on the ballot here in Maine this November will read, Do you want to require background checks prior to the sale or transfer of firearms between individuals not licensed as firearm dealers with failure to do so punishable by law and with some exceptions for family members, hunting, self-defense, lawful competitions, and shooting range activity? Supporters see it as a common-sense way of closing a loophole that allows private gun sales without background checks. Opponents are concerned that it poses unnecessary burdens, infringes on the Second Amendment, and may be a backdoor way of creating a government registry of gun owners. We're going to hear from both sides today. In the studio, we have our multipartisan panel of community members joining us once again. And by phone, we'll be joined in the first half of the program by a supporter of Question 3 and in the second half by an opponent. We'll alternate questions from our multipartisan panel with questions from callers, and we'll ask everyone to be brief so we get in as many questions as possible. This issue raises strong feelings for a lot of people, but we will continue to ask everyone to keep the conversation civil. Tough questions are encouraged, but personal attacks will not be tolerated. We have a new person with us today in the Donald Trump supporter seat on the panel. Welcome, Thomas White. We're glad to have you. Thank you. And uh, Thomas is the chairman of the Maine Maritime Academy College Republicans. Returning panelists are Betsy Gerald of the Green Party. Welcome back, Betsy. Thank you. Libertarian Renee Trust. Hi. Tim Wilson, a former Bernie Sanders supporter, now supporting Jill Stein. Hello. And Ken Gleason, a Democrat and Hillary Clinton supporter. Hi there. Welcome back, everybody. And joining us by phone for the first half of the show is David Farmer, the campaign manager for Mainers for Responsible Gun Ownership. David Farmer has an extensive background in Maine politics, having worked with the Baldacci administration on Mike Mishu's 2014 campaign for governor and on citizen initiatives that legalize same-sex marriage in the state and also same-day voter registration. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, David. It's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Amy. And we're going to draw names to determine the order of our guests here in the studio, uh, which of them will be asking you questions first, and then we'll alternate with phone calls when we have them. The number for callers, if you'd like to join the conversation, if you have a question, is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500. So the first question today from someone here on our multipartisan panel will come from Betsy. And this is not rigged, but last time <laughs> Betsy's name came first every time I drew the name, too. So it's just, I have a magnetic name. Hi, David. Nice to talk to you. I, just, I was standing in my kitchen the other day talking to my 28-year-old son, and he is still pretty unsure how he's going to vote on this particular referendum. It's what's holding up his absentee ballot right now. And he was absolutely convinced that if I loaned him my shotgun, because I'm a farmer and I have a shotgun, if I loaned him my shotgun to go shoot the skunk that's killing my chickens, that that would be unlawful under this law. Can you address that, please? I'm glad to. Thank you. That's a, that's a question we get all the time, and I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to answer it. 
the legislation that goes along with the citizens initiative is only three pages long and i would encourage people with questions like your sons to read it because in the legislation it says very clearly that it is uh 100 okay for you to loan or sell or transfer firearms to other family members and the list of people uh that are included in family is is there and it's extensive but you can short answer uh, loan or give your son a firearm uh, without a background check no problem thanks all right we have a caller with a question jim from bangor welcome to main currents what's your question or comment well you know i'm kind of a comment and a question uh been a registered independent since the 70s during the Longley administration, and I've been watching all the campaigns and everything this year, and it's, it's pretty scary. I'd like to ask both the Democratic representative as well as the Republican representative, uh, me as an independent, I, I'm, I'm torn uh, as to who to vote for, which I'm sure a lot of people are. But how do you both feel that the campaigns have been run this year as far as really nasty tactics? Jim, we're actually talking about question three right now. Next week at the same time slot, we'll have a more general discussion. We'll be going back to the elections. But did you have a question or comment about question three, the background checks bill? Well, actually, I'll pass on that one. Thank you. Okay, okay, thanks for your call. Again, the number is 469-0500 if you'd like to uh, join the discussion of question three here in the studio. And Tim Wilson, our third-degree burner turned green, has the, <laughs> is uh, up next with the next question for David Farmer, the campaign manager for Mainers for Responsible Gun Ownership. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, yes, David, and I'm going to ask the same question of the next caller, too, if I get the chance, which is, uh, for me, this when I went through everything, it looked like this is a women's issue that the biggest single thing is is that domestic uh, abusers have access to firearms. They can legally buy firearms even when they're under protective orders like restraining orders or, or uh, protection from abuse orders. Um, so number one is, is that true? In the current law today, can somebody who has restraining order legally buy a firearm uh, from an unlicensed dealer? And then the second question is, there's 6,000 uh, orders requested every year. 5,000 Maine women are granted those orders. And 12% of Maine women, these all stats all come from the U- University of Southern Maine, or about 600 have been threatened with firearm violence. Uh, and that's why they're requesting the order. So how do those women get protection under the existing laws? And how would this law impact that uh, going forward if people vote for it? Sure, Tim. Thank you very much. It, it, you've got a couple of things there, so I'm gonna, I'll walk through it as best I can. Uh, you know, right now in Maine, if a person uh, wants to buy a firearm and they go to uh, a licensed firearm dealer, they have to pass a background check. And there is a list of folks, uh, you know, that are criminals, domestic abusers, uh, felons, who are prohibited from purchasing, purchasing a gun. So you go to the, the licensed dealer and you go through the process, and it, it takes just a few minutes. But if you're on one of these lists, if you're a prohibited person, then that that sale is blocked, but you can ride, walk right outside into the parking lot, pick up your phone, and call someone that you meet through Uncle Henry's or over the internet, and meet that person and buy the same weapon uh, with uh, without without a background check and with no questions asked. And that is the exact loophole that this law is, is this initiative is trying to close. I mean, I think the point you raise is significant. You know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we know that in Maine, about half of all of our murders uh, are domestic violence related. And of those, the majority are committed with a firearm. 
in states that have uh, closed the background check loophole, uh, the number of women who were shot to death by intimate partners dropped by almost half. And that is research that's been taken from, taken from the 18 states in the District of Columbia who have uh, who require background checks on all handgun sales. And then you, I think there was a second part of your question. I'm going to ask you to, to remind me again, uh, and I'm glad to answer it. Well, and how would this law affect closing that loophole and protecting oh, absolutely. women? But by requiring that you have a background check for, uh, for private sales, it prevents those people who are on the prohibited list from being able to acquire the gun without a background check, so to avoid that truth. All right, we have a caller on the line, Peter from Brooklyn. Uh, welcome to Maine Currents. Do you have a question or a comment for uh, yes, David Farmer uh, from Mainers for Responsible Gun um, Ownership? Uh, I, I didn't quite get the beginning of the program. Is Bruce Ashmore on the line? No, Bruce Ashmore will be on in the second half hour right now. David Farmer, the campaign manager for Mainers for Responsible Gun Ownership, is on the fo other phone line, and we have our multipartisan panel here with us in the studio. Okay. Did you introduce the panel? Well, I guess yes. I yeah, we did. did. I'm sorry, I missed that. Okay. Um, well, let's stay on the transfer issue then. I, I do have a separate question for Bruce, and hopefully, maybe I can call back. Yeah, you that. can call back in the second okay. half hour. That's fine. Um, according to the Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, Maine will issue probably 170,000 or fewer hunting licenses this year. Um, they entered, you know, 165,000 some last year, including those two out of state. So any impact of this transfer provision we've been talking about at Section 8F would affect very few hunters um, and, you know, could easily be resolved in the legislature if any problems actually arise. So my question for um, David Farmer is, you know, is are these is this data right? And what are the numbers we're talking about? What's the practical aspect and the numbers of the transferors, transferees that would be inconvenienced by this Section 8F uh, transfer provision? And well, I'll take I, my I, question off the phone. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Peter. Thanks, Peter. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that if you're a law-abiding gun owner and hunter, it's unlikely that this initiative would have any impact on you. You'll still be able to loan or give firearms to members of your family. And you are able to, to swap guns with your hunting friends as long as you're hunting together. Uh, now, I will say that the, the one place that you might see a minor inconvenience if you're a, a hunter is if you loan your gun to someone and you're not going to stay with them. So, Amy, let's say that you uh, want to go hunting without me and you borrow my, my shotgun and then you, you go up to a rooster uh, bird time and I don't go with you. In that sense, when I, you know, I'm no longer with you, you would need a background check. And the reason that that is in there is we've seen cases from around the country where people have loaned their guns ostensibly to their friends, neighbors, to go target shooting or to go hunting. And, in fact, those folks have, have used them to, to hurt themselves uh, or to hurt other people. Uh, but in the states that have that have passed bills that are very similar to the one that's on the ballot in Maine, Oregon, Washington State, Colorado. There have been no instances of, of law-abiding hunters, sportsmen, having any trouble or facing any sort of um, uh, negative scrutiny uh, from law enforcement. All right. Our next question comes from one of our panelists. We have Ken Gleason, who is our Hillary Clinton supporter. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, hi. Um, thanks for being on here today. I was wondering what thoughts you have about how to reassure gun owners that you're not interested in taking away their guns. 
when uh, so many of them seem convinced differently off the bat, and they probably think whatever you say is going to be a lie. Well, if we're starting out from the point that they think everything I'm going to say is a lie, it's probably going to be hard for me to convince them. Uh, but I am a gun owner. I grew up in a hunting family. Uh, my family hunts to this day. I, I have no interest in taking anyone's guns away and no interest in giving my own guns away. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that while there are fewer people who are hunting today than there have been in the past, and fewer people who are gun owners than there have been in the past. There are actually more guns in the United States today than there ever have been. Um, you know, our, our initiative does not create a registry that is prohibited by federal law, and it, there's not a word about a registry in the initiative. Again, it's only three pages. I would encourage people to read it. And I think that the reason that folks are confused about that is the gun lobby, who has their primary interest in selling guns, uh, chokes up fear and uncertainty as a way to drive folks into the marketplace in hopes of increasing sales. In Uncle Henry's and online, we see right now the advertisements that say, buy your gun, for example, before Hillary's elected, or buy your gun before you have to get a background check. And I think that's indicative of, of, of what's really behind some of the information that's been spread, spread by folks. But I think if, if, you, if you're willing to read, take a few minutes and read the bill yourself, uh, you can go to, to our webpage, responsiblemain.org, and, and see the bill from the Secretary of State uh, as it's written. You'll see that, that there's really nothing in it to, to be afraid of. We have another call. Uh, Jerry from Orland, call 469-0500. If you'd like to join the discussion, call 469-0500. We are talking with David Farmer, the campaign manager for Mainers for gun, for Responsible Gun Ownership. Go ahead, uh, Jerry. Welcome to Maine Currents, and what is your question or comment? Oh, thank you. I have a follow-up question with the gentleman called about protection from abuse orders. I also like to clear. So, if I get, um, if, some, if I if I'm an abuser and someone gets protection from abuse order from me, it's currently illegal for me to buy a gun from anyone. So, if I buy a gun from someone on Uncle Henry's or on the side of the road, that is illegal right now, and I violate the law, from my understanding. So, this law doesn't change that. It's still illegal no matter what I do. I cannot buy a gun right now. I mean, it's many ones. So, so how about that, uh, David? Sure. I mean, what we know is though that in when you're when you're conducting a sale uh, in the from an unlicensed seller, uh, there's no requirements that you ask any questions whatsoever. And many of those transactions happen where no questions are. So the only way that the seller could determine that someone has a restraining order is an, or is an otherwise prohibited person would be to conduct a background check. They're fast. They're easy. There are more uh, places to have a background check conducted, federally licensed firearm dealers. There are more of those in the state than there are post offices. And 98.5% of all of us in Maine uh, live within 10 miles of a, of a federally licensed dealer that can conduct that background check for you for your private sale. All right, our next question comes from our newest panelist, Thomas White, who is a Trump supporter. Go ahead, Thomas. How are we doing, Mr. Farmer? I'm well. How are you? Good. Uh, my question has to do with how the law is going to be enforced. Um, I can, if this law goes through, I can still technically trade a gun or sell a gun to somebody um, on the street, um, and I don't see this as solving uh the problem that's at hand. Um, I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit. Well, sure, Tom. Uh, I mean, I think that the point you raised 
is an important one. You know, no law prevents all crime. You know, we have seatbelt laws, and some people don't wear seatbelts. We have drunk and driving laws, and yet still some people break the law and, and drive after they've had too much to drink. But what we do know is that when we pass a law that is broadly agreed upon, that most people follow that law. And I believe, Thomas, that if this law passed and you were interested in selling a firearm, that you would probably follow the law. And the law would require that you go to uh, a firearm dealer and have a background check performed on the person that you're selling to. You know, the goal of this law is not to put people in jail for buying or selling guns. The goal is to keep dangerous people from getting guns. You know, part of being a responsible gun owner is being cautious about who you give, loan, or sell your gun to. And we think that what this law, this uh, initiative will actually do is empower people to make good decisions and to make sure that when they, they uh, sell their gun or, or give it to someone else, that that person is not, not dangerous and not prohibited. All right, let's go to Lindy in Southwest Harbor. Welcome to Maine Currents, Lindy. Yes, hi. Thank you for having this discussion. For God's sake, all this, all this, if, if you don't have a, a, a domestic violence background, if you're not a violent person, you won't have any problem purchasing a gun. That's all it is. We're trying to keep guns out of the hands of people who have backgrounds that are of people who are violent or seriously mentally ill or have a history of uh, domestic violence. That's plain and simple. No one's trying to take guns away from anybody or trying to deny somebody the right to go hunting. You know, it's simple as that. And um, <clears throat> the fellow that uh, for Hillary, I believe, and he mentioned the gun lobby. I wanted to know, I'm so sick of the NRA and their, their uh, objective to, <sighs> anyway, enough. But uh, is there any such thing as the people's lobby that could eventually um, gain as much uh, power and influence as the NRA has? Well, Ben's making a money symbol here. I'm making a money. Yeah, there's there's a people's lobby, but it doesn't have any money. Let me well, just remind you. The people's lobby, if I may, is what happens on election day. When it comes to background checks, you know, every ever ever since the, the massacre in Newtown, Connecticut, there's been a concerted and real effort to pass background checks and close the loophole at the federal level. Uh, but frankly, you know, our side has not been able to break the logjam that's been created by Frank, one of the most powerful lobbies that's ever existed. But come November 8th, when people, uh, you and I and the voters in Maine, and that's all we're talking about is Maine voters, when they walk into, into that election booth, uh, there's, there's nobody who can touch them. And they're able to make their own decisions. David, and I'm just going to jump. That the voters will make the right decision. Let me just jump in here and remind listeners: you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. My guests in the studio are our multi-partisan panel. We have uh, our newest member, Thomas White, from the uh, Maine Maritime Republicans. He's a Trump supporter. We also have Betsy Gerald from the Green Party, Libertarian Renee Trust, Tim Wilson, a former Sanders supporter who's now supporting Jill Stein, and Democrat. Uh, Ken Gleason, a Hillary Clinton supporter, on the phone with us for this first half hour, and we have time for uh, a question from Renee, and then one more call uh, before we let him go, and we get a 
an opponent of this question is David Farmer. He's the campaign manager for Mainers for Responsible Gun Ownership. We're talking about question three on the ballot in November. And Renee Trust, Libertarian, on our panel is up next with her question. And then we will get to Yo, and then we'll give you a few minutes to wrap up. David, go ahead, Renee. Hi, David. Um, I have a I have a lot of questions, too many to ask in my one question allotment here. But um, <laughs> you know, from a from a Second Amendment um, uh, perspective, I have problems right out the starting gate. You know, from the suspicious origins of where this bill uh, came from, and all the out of state funding, right down to the infringement thing. I mean, from a libertarian perspective. Um, this the whole bill is an infringement on our second amendment right so i don't see how the government can keep us safer by um having more laws and to think that this is a citizens initiative it would be foolish because it's not these were paid people signature gatherers out you know gathering signatures in portland and I, I really don't think we're going to find a majority of people in the state of Maine, but that's yet to be seen. But a question to you is, um, what crimes would you hope to prevent that are not already addressed by current gun laws? And why would the short-term transfers covered by the law making activities that are currently legal illegal be necessary? You know, all disregarding everything I've previously said about my own perspective, I do know people, um, conservatives, who would support this, this question if the transfer issue was taken out of it. So maybe you can speak to that. Sure. There are about 14 questions there, but I'll take them pretty quickly. First off... In an opinion written by uh, former Justice Scalia called Heller versus D.C., the Supreme Court affirms that reasonable restrictions on gun ownership that prohibit dangerous folks, felons, domestic abusers from, from, from having weapons are not unconstitutional. Uh, our campaign collected more than 85,000 signatures from every city and every town in the state of Maine. The original co-sponsors of the bill included the chief of police of Buckport, uh, who was one of the original initiators of this bill. In terms of the crimes that we hope to prevent, right now we know that uh, people who should not be allowed to have firearms walk into gun stores every day and try to buy them. In Maine since 1998, 1998 to 2014, more than 5,501 gun sales have been blocked in federally licensed firearm dealers because the folks are uh, are on the prohibited list. That includes over 2,500 uh, convicted felons uh, and almost 1,000 domestic abusers have been blocked from getting guns. They can walk right out the door, pick up the phone, call someone from, uh, you know, armslist.com, meet them in the parking lot, and purchase the same weapon. And there's no requirement for a background check. We know that in the states that require background checks for all handgun sales, we see significant reductions in crime, including uh, about 46% fewer women who are shot to death by their intimate partner. No, we wait a minute. See, no, we no, we have a caller. That we did about 50% fewer guns or traffic uh, and end up at crime scenes in other states. These are serious problems, and this, this bill is a common sense way to address them. We have a caller waiting, and we're almost out of time, so I do want to make sure we get to the caller. And then if there's time, I, I know, David, you want to wrap up. Uh, if we have a minute at the end of this next caller, we'll let Renee uh, do her follow-up question. But go ahead, Yo. 
It seems to me expanding background checks will mean expanded bureaucracy and expanded intrusion into citizens' private affairs. Way to go, What you. is there to prevent privacy abuse in this proposal? P.S. Newtown was fake. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. All right. Well, I've got to start with uh, with the last idea that that, that gentleman's caller put forward. Um, I have met the daughter of the principal who died at Newtown. Um, I've met the father of a first grader who was killed. Um, it was not fake, and say so is a disservice to, to those families and to the memories of their, of their of their loved ones who were taken too soon. And, um, you know, I, I take, uh, it was a civil question and it was presented in a nice way, but I take great offense at that, to suggest that, that those deaths were not real um, is a bridge too far for me, and I've got to call it out. Uh, in terms of privacy and, uh, and, and, and the other questions that you raised, we have a background check system in place right now that has been in place since 1998. And nationwide, it's prevented more than 2.4 million gun sales to people who are prohibited purchasers. Uh, the, the background checks work to keep guns out of the hands of dangerous people. And uh, they, they do not in any way create a registry or an infringement on, on privacy. Now, if you think that there should be no restrictions on someone who wants to purchase a firearm, that background checks, uh, you don't want to have background checks because you think it's okay for domestic abusers uh, to, to buy a gun or you think it's okay for a convicted felon to buy a gun, then I, I, that probably means that you know, there's not much middle ground for it. But most folks that we've found, uh, believe that background checks are a common sense way to help prevent dangerous people from getting guns. Not Let's everyone, but enough to make a real difference in Maine and across the country. Let's let Renee ask her follow-up question briefly. We really have about <coughs> three minutes left for Renee, so ask a quick question. Yeah. David, give a quick response, and then any final thoughts and any uh, contact information you want to give. We're going to shift gears at 4.30 and get Bruce Ashmore on the line. Yes, thanks, Amy. You know, I, no, I don't think it's okay for domestic abusers to have guns or for criminals to have guns. But what, what I don't believe is that the government has the power to prevent criminals from committing crimes. And I don't think any uh, further infringements are going to make any difference. I mean, we see uh, cities like Chicago, which has some of the toughest gun laws in the United States, rampant with gun crime. And um, so I just don't see how... Another gun law is going to help, especially in Maine, where we have some of the, the safest, um, you know, gun users and more guns in the nation. So I, I'm okay. being hurried. Yeah. Last thought, David, you want to respond to that and give your contact Sure. Really quickly, I would say Maine is a safe state, but we have a significant problem with domestic violence and domestic violence murders with firearms. And I'd also say that just because people still rob banks doesn't mean we take the locks off the door. Uh, most Mainers are law-abiding folks. And if this initiative passes, it will make a real difference in keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous people. That's been proven over and over again in states that have background checks. All right. And you, do you want to give contact for information as before we let you go? Oh, absolutely. And, Amy, I'd like <coughs> to thank you for, for having me on and for this uh, lively discussion. For Thanks folks who are looking us. for more information, I would say the best place to look would be www.factsonfree.com. 
that website dispels a lot of the myths. Allow is a place that you can go to to read the bill itself. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that wasn't from our end. Oh, okay, I apologize. And so uh, I would encourage folks to go to the website, check it out, and if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact the campaign. Great. Thank you very much for being with us today. That was David Farmer, the campaign manager for Mainers for Responsible Gun Ownership. And uh, next we're going to get on the line someone who opposes question three, and we're going to do the same process. We're going to, we put all the names back in the hat of our panelists here in the studio. We'll alternate their questions with questions from callers at 469-0500. We recognize this is not the ideal way to do this. If we had more phone lines, we would have both of these people on at the same time so that they could respond to each other's questions and we could have a better debate. But we already have like twice as many people packed in here in the studio as it will hold and we're taxing the phone lines as much as we possibly can to to try to do this as well as we can. Support got, your community radio so they can expand their infrastructure. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that wasn't a that wasn't a pledge drive pitch, but uh, uh, but thanks, Betsy. And uh, so <laughs> the phone number is four six nine zero five hundred. But if you get a busy signal, keep calling through. The reason I was explaining that is because we will have a guest on one phone line only. Another phone line is available for callers so just be patient and i believe that we do have with us uh on the other line now bruce ashmore great bruce is with gun owners of maine a group that opposes question three and again if you're just joining us this is maine currents on weru and the numbers 469-0500 if you'd like to join the discussion bruce welcome to the program Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to just launch right in with the questions. And I think as we go through the questions, you'll get a chance to uh, pretty much explain your position on this. And then as we get toward the end of the hour, uh, we're going to take calls for probably the next 20 minutes or so and then we will allow time for a wrap up at the end for you to have some final thoughts and for our panelists to have some final thoughts so don't wait until the last minute callers if you'd like to join the discussion and we already have uh, one caller on, on hold so um, Mike we will get to you in just a moment we're going to start with a question from the panel here I'm drawing the name out of the hat and Renee goes first this time uh, this is Renee Trust she's a libertarian on the panel and she has a question for you Bruce hi Bruce Bruce, how are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing okay. Hey, um, what I'm wondering is to just take off from where uh, Mr. Farmer left off is uh, how how do you think about the um, you know the domestic violence issue and the and the new gun law? Do you think it's going to be effective? No, no, and 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 there's there's multiple reasons for that. Most domestic violence issues that result in violence are spontaneous. I mean, they do build up over time. But then the actual assault is something that happens right off the bat. And as far as pertaining to this law, I, I'm wondering how it's going to stop domestic violence when, under the exceptions, all family members and intimate partners that are supposed to be stopped from this law are actually exempt from this law or having to get a background check to get a firearm from another family member or other exempted person. Thank you. Thanks. And we do have a caller on the line, Mike from Swanville. Welcome to Maine Currents. Do you have a question or a comment? Yes, good afternoon. Um, I, I, I think I heard a few fallacies in the arguments of the gentleman who was just speaking, not uh, the man who was representing at the yes on question three vote. Um, one, one of the fallacies seems to me to be that uh, he, was, he was saying that he was conflating opposition to this um, question with support for domestic abuse or domestic violence. Another one was that um, he seemed to be saying that 
used the word empower, and he said that this bill would create a system that empowers people. And I didn't see the evidence of empowerment um, in, in, in any part of it, especially the part where you have to go to a gun store to get a transfer. I think that's, that's I think one of the libertarian panelists mentioned that the transfer issue is probably the most major hang-up. Uh, this, this bill would require, as I understand it, that you couldn't actually have a private sale. You'd have to go to a gun store and have it mediated for 20 or $30 by the gun shop. So that's not empowering. And, and it, it also, it, it fails to prove that it's going to have the effect that it, that it actually has, that is to say that it's actually going to stop domestic abuse. I mean, he threw about some statistics and stuff, but I think we know what statistics are. And, um, and uh, I see also that the thing that seems to me that would be the most empowering would be, uh, and, and the premise here is that it's already illegal to sell a felon or a domestic abuser a firearm, even though there's no prior restraint keeping you from doing so. If you do so in a private gun sale, as it says in Uncle Henry's, you will go to jail. So it's already illegal. So if, 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 if the thing that would be empowering would be if anybody could call a toll-free number and do a background check um, for a gun sale, no questions asked without without naming names or mentioning anything so that the person who's beating the other person in the parking lot can simply call that number. What a great idea. Uh, you know? So the- that was that was Renee. Thanks for your call, Mike. And uh, again, the number is four six nine zero five hundred. If you'd like to join the discussion, we're alternating calls from listeners with calls from our panel here in the studio. Do you have any uh, anything to uh, weigh in on regarding what Mike had to say, Bruce? Well, a, a little bit. He he mentioned that in D.C. I believe he quoted where uh, it has reduced the number of gun deaths due to domestic violence, but they've never actually claimed that the law reduces death of domestic violences does it just change the way or does it actually reduce the number i mean if if it did they would probably be standing on the rooftop waving a flag saying this law stops domestic violence deaths not death by gun okay uh let me grab another name actually i think i already have you're up next tim uh tim is our bernie sanders supporter is now a jill stein supporter and he has a question for bruce ashmore Yes, Bruce, I'd like to go back to that same issue, the domestic violence issue again. And, uh, you know, David mentioned that there have been, I think he's quite a number of, I'm not, I don't remember the exact number of, of domestic abusers who have tried to purchase firearms. People who are under restraining orders or protection from abuse orders uh, can legally buy a gun in Maine and uh, from someone, and there's no background check required. So they can get one without a background check, but not legally. It's still illegal for them to purchase a firearm. But there's no way. How? What is what is required to enforce that or to check on that? How does somebody check on that? And there are six thousand women who request protection from abuse orders in Maine every year, roughly. About five thousand of those requests are granted. Twelve uh, percent of those requests, over 500 women, have been threatened with gun violence. That is why they're being, they're requesting the protection order. Um, and so, how how do you address that legally uh, to make sure that those women are protected, that the orders are are enforced? Uh, if you don't have a provision like this, well, the provision itself, and 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 you've heard this from a lot of it, doesn't actually stop. It does give a means to prosecute somebody if they don't follow the law it doesn't stop it um 
from those, and, and, and I have the, the homicide non-negligent murder stats for the entire state of Maine for the last six years. And, yes, there are a, a few. Uh, and, and any death, any loss is tragic, and we don't want it, especially as gun owners, because it naturally makes us look bad. Um, but the eight or ten that do happen a lot of times are done with firearms that are already present in the home. And as I mentioned before, uh, those members are exempt as family members and intimate partners from having to get a, a background check anyways in this law. Now, but the gun wouldn't be itself, in the home. A restraining order itself doesn't stop somebody. That's that's. Uh, no but it fact. does create a flag and a background check. You okay. can't buy a federally licensed edifice. So you know, a background check would stop somebody like that from getting a gun. Let's take a call from a listener. Marty from Mariahville is on the line. Welcome to Maine Currents. Do you have a question or a comment? Yes, two-part question. Do you, uh, do you believe that uh, barring certain people from getting firearms is going to prevent any degree of violence? Uh, I believe that the problem, it's a symptom of a far greater problem, that we are growing an undisciplined people, and there are great deceits and disappointments, and people react in very harmful ways. I believe that we should abandon uh, this micromanagement law like an authoritative totalitarian government would have and focus on growing a better human discipline in our civilization. I guess two parts being that uh, a hammer is a dangerous weapon. Are you going to buy those? And I guess the second part, do you agree that we must raise our level of human discipline to prevent all these things from happening? All right. Thank you for your call, Marty. And again, the phone number is 469-0500. If you'd like to join the discussion in the second half of our discussion on question three today, we are talking with Bruce Bruce Ashmore of Gun Owners of Maine. Do you want to respond to uh, Marty's questions, Bruce? Um, Yeah. Laws barring crime have uh, have a history of uh, stopping those of us that may be on the verge thinking about it probably wouldn't do it anyways but those that absolutely have ill intent no law in the world is going to stop them from doing it uh whether they use a hammer or a baseball bat or a gun uh back to the other man's question uh to start with i want to be clear we're not fighting background checks and we're not fighting them for gun sales we're fighting them for all of the other things that are listed in this law that have absolutely nothing to do with sales all right our next question is from uh republican panelist thomas white go ahead thomas uh, Mr. Ashmore, uh, my question for you is um, about gun shows and the loophole. Um, I keep hearing a lot about this, and I tried doing some research today, and from what I understand is Maine law says licensed dealer, gun dealers um, have to do a background check. Um, at a gun show, isn't it just licensed dealers that are there? Um, so meaning that there is no um, loophole to a gun, gun show? Any federal licensed dealer has to do a background check no matter where he is. If he's delivering a, a one to somebody's house, he can do it on the phone. If he's doing it in his brick-and-mortar shop, he has to do a background check if he's set up at a gun show. Here in the state of Maine, uh, the gun shows are pretty much regulated by insurance companies, and they require that every firearm that is transferred on their grounds go through a background check. 
Now, someone can set a private table, but he has to do every firearm transfer to one of his neighboring FFLs before he can sell that gun at a gun show. So the gun show loophole is, is pretty much non-existent here in the state of Maine. And I'd also like to quote the CDC, the FBI, and a bunch of others that uh, guns used in crime, private sales account for approximately 1% of guns used in crime. All right, let me, remind, private sales. let me remind listeners you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. Our panelists here in the studio are Thomas White, a Republican. You just heard from him, Libertarian Renee Trust, uh, Tim Wilson, who is a now a Jill Stein supporter. At some point, I'll stop mentioning that you're a third-degree burner. Uh, Ken Gleason, a Hillary Clinton supporter, and Betsy Gerald from the Green Party. And we are speaking with Bruce Ashmore on the phone. He's with Gun Owners of Maine. We're talking about question three on Maine's ballot in November, the first half of the program. We had a supporter of question three. In the second half hour, we have Bruce Ashmore of Gun Owners of Maine. They oppose question three. And on the phone line, we have Peter uh, from Brooklyn, who has called 469-0500. When Peter's done, if you'd like to be up next, give us a call at 469-0500. We're alternating calls from listeners with calls from our panelists here in the studio. Go ahead, Peter. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I think there is agreement um, by everybody here that uh, existing law should be enforced. Um, we sometimes hear the argument from, uh, you know, I've heard this from, from our local sheriff, uh, that, you know, existing law is not being enforced by the federal agencies. And I know I'm broadening it out behind question three, but I think we really want to think about that, and particularly I would like to ask Bruce Ashmore this. Uh, the reason that federal law is not being fully enforced by the federal agencies, and that they have trouble coordinating with the sheriffs and the, and the local government, the police, and so forth, uh, is that the federal agencies, ATF principally, is on a starvation diet. That's their budget. And they have numerous, very obscure federal laws, um, and I can, whatever, that hamper state federal cooperation in enforcing existing laws. Now, in Maine, we're very fortunate that we have Republican Senator Susan Collins who has been making a pretty interesting and strong bipartisan efforts to beef up the enforcement of existing law. I recognize this is beyond Q3, but I wanted to ask Bruce Ashmore whether um, you, know, you and your organization would support uh, Senator Collins' efforts to beef up the enforcement of existing law. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Peter. Always. Always. I sat on the Hancock County Grand Jury last year, and a, and a case came in. Uh, four people were charged with one group of, of kids robbed another group of kids of their marijuana. One of, one of the perpetrators took a gun with him, fired it during the commission of the crime, mistakenly, but he still, he fired a gun during a robbery. And later when it came to court, the district attorney of Hancock County cut a deal with the man that brought a gun to a crime scene and fired it by threatening him with a long term. That guy flipped on everybody else involved and walked out the back door. They busted the rest of them for drugs because it's, it's a lot harder and requires more money to prosecute a gun charge. But the kid that brought the gun and used it in the commission of a crime walked out the door and went right back to Walmart and bought another gun because there were no charges against him. All right. We have uh, Ken, our Hillary Clinton supporter, has the next question. Go ahead, Ken Gleason. Yeah. Hi, Bruce. Hi. Um, you know, as I understand it, your group and the NRA rightly take credit f and responsibility for the easy accessibility of firearms in the U.S. 
today. Uh, I know within the NRA there's a lot of emphasis on safety and the handling and storage of weapons. I'm wondering what effort do you uh, advocates of, uh, you know, minimally restricted gun ownership take to encourage and instruct non-members in gun safety? Uh, I myself, I concentrate on young shooters and female shooters. For instance, I'm posting a class here in my business in Bucksport Neck uh, on the 12th of November, Self-Defense for Women. Uh, about a dozen people answered uh, and registered for the class within an hour or so of me posting it on my personal page, and I do that periodically in my shop for people that are unfamiliar with and would like to become acquainted with, and I don't charge anything for it. The instructor does have to get paid, but it's a day-long course that costs about $30. All right. We have a, a call from Nick from Portland. Welcome to Maine Currents, Nick. Do you have a question or a comment? I do, because um, something that's interesting I've noticed uh, about the gun, guns is that they move very easily across states. And a lot of newspapers, such as the Boston Globe and New York newspapers and newspapers in neighboring states have been looking closely at Question 3. And I keep reading that they want it to pass. They keep seeing that criminals from their state, they can't buy guns in the private market or at gun stores. So they keep driving further and further north and south to where now Maine and New Hampshire um, are always first and second place for the most guns found in Boston crime scenes coming from out of state. And New York Attorney General just released a report this week showing guns from Maine making it all the way to New York. And as Massachusetts, you know, they've tightened their laws in Connecticut now where Massachusetts has the lowest gun violence rate in this country and their suicide rate by firearms is one-fourth the rate of ours in Maine. I've just noticed that there's been a lot of concern, not just keeping our own community safe, but the communities of our neighbors safe as well. I was wondering if that was a concern you also shared. Thanks for calling. Of course. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we all want to be safe. Um, every year there's there's a thing called a uh, uniform crime report. All states do it. All 50 states do it. It's also what feeds the national instant check system. And I have the one in my hand for the state of Maine for 2015, and it shows gun, guns from crime scenes found in the state of Maine. And let's see, there's nine from Massachusetts. There's two from Connecticut. There's four from New Jersey. New Jersey has some of the strictest gun laws in America. Uh, Colorado, which also has this law, Washington, which also has this law, California, which also has this law, and guns from those states are found in Maine at crime scenes. So saying that we are a major supplier for other states, the actual numbers coming from Maine are pretty tiny compared to a lot of the other states. Uh -huh. And states that have this law, it does not stop them from their guns showing up in other states either. Okay, thanks, Bruce. And our... Uh Betsy Gerald is our next panelist who may or may not have a question well, for you. I don't. I mean, I have a question I want to ask, but I just can't think of a nice way to phrase it, unfortunately. So I'm going to pass. I'm a big boy. I know, I know, but we're 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 supposed to keep it civil here, and I and I really, it's a question that I I want to ask folks that are that are big Second Amendment um, advocates, and it's just the the Second Amendment says that it says well regulated militia. And well-regulated to me means that, you know, some control, some regulation. And so I guess the question, I, I, the snarky question I want, always want to ask is, and, and please ignore this, but 
the snarky question I always want to ask is, what well-regulated militia are you a part of? But 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 more, you know, to to try to keep it civil. I, how do you how do you not feel that you are opposed to the Second Amendment when you don't seem to want the regulation that that is that is written into that amendment? No, we don't want overburdening, intrusive regulation that gets into our camps, our cars, and our homes. Uh, well-regulated militia, when that was written back in the 1700s, well-regulated was a very common term for well-practiced, able to perform, or a well-regulated clock ran true. It did not mean regulation in the way that it's commonly used in the English language today. And that has been in many Supreme Court findings that the word well-regulated means well-practiced. Uh, and the militia itself is termed to conter- uh, contain every able-bodied man from 17 to 45 years old and those still capable of physically performing. All right, we have time for one last question from a caller. We have uh, Lori on the line. Go ahead, Lori. What's your question or comment? Uh, my, my comment is um, I... I heard a gentleman earlier call in uh, making uh, the comment about how a hammer is not a weapon. I mean, a hammer could kill somebody, but we don't outlaw hammers. And I've heard a similar comment about how cars are very dangerous, but we don't outlaw cars. Well, the difference is that guns are specifically designed to kill people and... As far as them being anything like an automobile, well, we have inspections for automobiles. You have to carry insurance, and you have to register your car. So I I think that um, it's a ridiculous thing to compare to a hammer or a car. That's my comment. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for your call, Lori. Bruce, we want to give you a couple minutes to give any final thoughts and any contact information, and then we're going to let you go and have a chance for our panelists to go around and and have any final thoughts that they have. We appreciate you joining us today. So um, anything that you want to add or say that you didn't get a chance to with the questions that were asked? Okay. Uh, I want to address the NICS system and the FFL. He said that there's 470-something FFLs, and I just want to make it Now, what's an FFL? a federal firearms licensed dealer or gun dealer. Okay, thanks. That there are 400 something in, in Maine, but many of them won't do transfers. They don't do their private FFLs. They're gun traders, collectors, things like that. Dick's, Cabela's, Walmart, any box store never has and never will do transfers. And in the states this law has passed, the transfer cost has gone from $20 to $120 to $150 per transfer. So there's going to be a lot less dealers to transfer at, and the cost is going to skyrocket like it has in the other states that have introduced this. And it also goes on the assumption that NICS, the National Instant Check System, actually works. And right now it's in huge problems. They just issued a letter last week that anybody that would normally be on a three-day delay is now added to a five-day delay. And the appeals process to get yourself off that list went from two months to almost two years. The system is overloaded, overburdened, and just a simple check in two minutes like they're advertising is a fallacy. It's, It's almost a lie. Uh, there's huge troubles with the system. It's not working well, and people are being denied for, uh, for example, the 5,500 denials that they list. Uh, 
what he doesn't tell you is that 94% of them were eventually overturned as being false denials. These are the things that are reality that are not being addressed in the advertising of the people that are painting a rosy picture of how this is going to work. Bruce, where do you direct people for more information? What's your website? Uh, our, our group, Gun Owners of Maine, is on Facebook. And there's links there to UBC, Bad For Me, which is the, the direct link uh, fighting question three. But Gun Owners of Maine itself, our, our uh, logo, is, if you will, is Gun Owners of Maine is the place where bad information and rumors come to die. Okay. We have policemen, legislators, senators, uh, trainers, NRA instructors, uh, law enforcement, people from all walks of life in our group. Uh, and, and if you have a question about guns, you come there. We'll quote the statute. We'll quote the law. We'll get you right or we'll get you to the place that you need to be trained. If, if, if that's what you'd like to do. And if you're new to the group, then we'll put you with somebody that will get you safely uh, to where you want to be. Okay, and that website one more time? Gun Owners of Maine or UBCBadForMe.com. All right, thank you so much for being with us today. That's, thank you for having me. That's Bruce Ashmore. And uh, we're going to take just a couple minutes to wrap up here and go around the table and get any final thoughts, uh, maybe... One minute each. We have about five minutes left to the program starting. We're pulling names out of the hat again with Tim Wilson. Well, quickly, I mean, I think the, the goal of this effort is to have background checks on transfers and sales. And I don't see how that is a huge inhibition on anyone's rights. I'm a gun owner. I'm also, but when we had concealed carry permits, a permit owner, uh, and the background checks uh, to both purchase firearms and and become a concealed carry permit. Well, they weren't onerous. They weren't difficult. They were quick. Um, it went very well. I, you know, but the idea is uh, for me. I mean, half of the murders committed in Maine gun murders are domestic violence. That if this prevents even one, it's worth it. So okay. Thanks, Tim. Renee Trust. Yeah, hi. Um, <clears throat> I'll be voting no on question three in case there's any question <laughs> about that. We and, were wondering. And, you know, the reason is because it's just one of those, another referendum that sounds good but isn't, which is how I feel about all five of them, by the way, but we'll stick to three for now. Um, <laughs> No, I, th I think um, it's it's not well written, and I think if they took the transfer part of out of it, it, it would stand a better chance. I do think it's well-intentioned, but um, cobbled together maybe too quickly or something like that, just like all the other ones, as a matter of fact. So, um, so I'm voting no, and that's it. All right. Thanks, Renee. Thomas White is up next. I have to agree with uh, Renee on that. Um, I think... Frankly, Maine Constitution says, quote, every citizen has a right to keep and bear arms, and this right shall never be questioned. Um, I think if this law passes, it's frankly unconstitutional, and it doesn't get to where, um, where it solves any issues. I think that there's, there's an issue there. The background check, I, I, I think everybody can agree, is a good idea, but um, it doesn't – the transfer part is the problem. And I don't, I don't think this is the way of doing it, so I'll be voting no. Uh, on three. All right. Thank you. Ken Gleason, you're up next. Yeah. Hi. Um, I'm definitely voting yes on this one. Uh, you know, the evidence from other states seems clearly to, it'll, it'll help a problem. It may not solve every problem, that's for sure, but it'll help it. And it's an extension of a, of a, it's a closing a loophole on a law we already have. So conceptually, it's not 
really any different than something that's been accepted a long time. And uh, I think it's a good thing. And, and I read the law, and I thought it was very thoroughly uh, put together. I was amazed at all the details that were, were in those three pages. Thanks. Thank you, Ken Gleason. Betsy Gerald. Yeah, well, I've word. already voted yes because I went and voted absentee the other day. Um, I think that this is a very reasonable law. And I just uh, want to say that this morning I was down at the mock elections, which the Secretary of State holds every election cycle um, for uh, elementary and high school students. And I was down in Augusta. And the last results that I heard, and these are supposed to be fairly predictive, was that um, – Yes, yes on three had won. So we'll see. I don't know whether those were the final, final results of the of the uh, all of the students putting their votes in. But so I'm hopeful that that's what will happen. All right. Thank you all for joining me today. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Uh, thanks again, my guest today. Uh, the first half of the show, we heard from David Farmer, the campaign manager for Mainers for Responsible Gun Ownership. And in the second half, Bruce Ashmore from Gun Owners of Maine. Also, our multi-partisan panel. Once again, they are Betsy Garrell, Tim Wilson, Ken Gleason, Renee Trust, and Thomas White. Thanks to John Greenman for engineering today's program. And uh, we invite you to join us again next week when the panel will be coming in for one last show before the election. But we're thinking they might join me the following week, the day after the elections, for a reaction show. We're planning to do a reaction call-in show on Main Currents uh, on the Wednesday after the election the anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it sounds like that's going to happen. and I will be here. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll hope, we hope that you will be joining us as well, listeners. And you can check out the WERU website, WERU.org, for all of our election upcoming election-related programming, including a very special WERU Folk the Vote that will be happening before our live coverage of election night. So that's all here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. So join us here every Wednesday at 4 o'clock, and stay tuned now for Democracy Now!, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg. Thanks for listening. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at WERU.org. Let's take a quick look at the National Weather Service forecast for the greater Bangor, Midcoast, and Downeast regions. Mostly cloudy tonight, overnight lows 32 to 35. Winds will be out of the north at 10 to 15 with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Thursday looks like a partly sunny day, highs 45 to 48, northeast winds 10 to 15. Thursday night cloudy, rain.